Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello, I am Blake Harrison. Uh, this is the MMA Fan Podcast. I don't know why I did it in that order. And joining me is uh, Stuart Whiffin, who's looking slightly less tanned. Less tanned now. It's going down a bit. You're not quite as orange as you were recently. Uh, how's it going? Do you feel less Charles Oliveira? Or are you still, you I, know, the podcast host has a name and his name is Stu Whiffin. Is that, is that how it goes? I mean, I still literally look like Joey Essex next to... Casper, the friendly ghost above me, uh, because you are borderline transparent. Um, uh, do you know what it is, right? I left my webcam um, in the office, so I'm just actually on the computer's camera today. So uh, I think so that's it's a lighting issue. A little bit. It's not. Yeah, you're nah. still as orange as you were before. It's more of a lighting issue. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm just like. A, I wouldn't say orange. I'd say bronze Adonis. Bronze Adonis, yeah. At first, I was like, "What are you saying there, Rons?" I don't know, but um, yeah, no, all right, fine, fine. It's a, light, it's a lighting issue. So if I see you in person, you'll yeah. still be uh, a bronze Adonis. A bronzed Adonis with yeah. bleach blonde hair at the age of fifty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, well, it's Monday morning. It's Monday morning. Um, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was okay. Uh, we went to. Uh, Took the kids uh, to Heaver Castle yesterday. Uh, oh, nice. Had a, a nice little trip around the grounds and all that stuff. Got bitten by mosquitoes up and down my leg, which is now uh, driving me insane. I want to. I literally would like to take a knife and just cut off the 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 bites. They're, they're driving me that mad at the moment. But uh, yeah, maybe like I don't know. Do you think they go for the paler skin? I think. I think I just, you know, I'm a tasty treat. As the kids say, I think I'm a bit of a snack. So uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a snack, mate. So, uh, yeah, right. they're loving it. Okay. It's probably all the sugary food I eat. I eat so much sugary food. I eat so much. This probably like my blood is probably like much sweeter than anyone else's blood because of the, right. the, the crap I eat. So that's probably that. That's okay. the scientific okay. analysis I'm making. You eat cake, sure. your blood tastes sweeter, the insects want to bite you. Surely that's how it works. Mm. Spot the lie, guys. Spot the lie. There's probably loads of nutritionists and stuff like listening to this just going. <laughs> Switching off. Pair of absolute idiots. <laughs> absolute morons. That's why you're here. To listen to two exactly. morons chat about what could be going down at UFC 292. Exactly. Hell of a lot of, hell of a lot of guesswork involved in this podcast. Oh yes, but that's why we love it. We say guesswork. I mean, hey, who is the guy that told Justin Gaethje to throw a head kick? This guy. So this guy we're here right today here to discuss UFC 292. Uh, I think we've just put. Why are you not giving me my bit. flowers? No, we don't need to. We don't need to talk about that. Um, Come on. Uh, we, we 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 discussed that on the last one. God, it's a good lineup this Saturday. Um, yeah. Do you want me to just acknowledge it one more time? Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You you called it that Justin Gaethje was going to knock out. Uh, 
Dustin Poirier. It, it, it hurts even more because I wanted Dustin to win the belt and I've been banging on about it for so long. That yeah. pains me. So it's a, it's a double kick in the dick, this. Um, <laughs> but yes, you, you called it that he, he you wanted to see him throw more head kicks because you think it could work and, and obviously that's what Indeed. happened. Trevor Whitman, clearly a fan of the MMA Fan Podcast, he was coaching yeah. Gage, he told him what to do. There you go. Look at your stupid smug face. Fucking <laughs> 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 tragic. <laughs> The only thing that would make it more tragic is if I had bleach blonde hair right now. That's what would make it a more tragic face. Um, well, speaking of uh, shit hair, um, we're here to talk about uh, O'Malley Sterling, <laughs> UFC 292. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few fights um, that, that, that didn't actually happen on this, this card, which uh, I think could have made it a little bit more interesting, but I don't know. It, one of those fights which we'll get to has ended up kind of, you know, to say every cloud has a silver lining, it certainly did on this one. But um, so before we sort of, let's, let's not sort of get bogged down in the fights that did get pulled from this. Let's start at the top um, because it's an exciting fight, this, right? Sean O'Malley yeah. versus Aljamain Sterling. Um, further strap. Um, <sighs> firstly, right, yeah. <laughs> O'Malley deserves this shot, right? Um, oh, it's so weird. I don't know. I don't know if he does. I don't know. I think he does. Maybe. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's what we're dealing with here is we've got like two polar opposite people, not just in like their, their character or anything like that, but just how they've got to where they are right now. You've got a guy in Aljamain Sterling whose CV is actually looks really, really good. But the fans have never been on his side. And in a lot of ways, I would say for... Uh, do you know what? It's a difficult one. I don't think Aljamain Sterling should get hate because none of what's happened to him has really been his fault. But I can understand why fans haven't kind of completely believed in him as a champion because the way he got the belt was that illegal knee from Piotr Jan. Then in the rematch with Jan, that fight could go either way. I feel like he did, did a really good account of himself, and I rewatched it before um, before doing this preview show. Aljamain Sterling clearly wins rounds two and three with all the back control. I think Piotr Jan clearly wins rounds four and five. And round one was a real coin flip round. So, you know, you could easily believe that Jan won that. So that means that Jan's the champ when it was the illegal knee and then maybe he didn't beat, uh, sorry, Sterling's the champ when, when uh, Jan didn't, uh, when he got beat by Jan, maybe even the second fight. The TJ Dillashaw, he went in there with a stupid injury. And took, so that's not a great win. Henry Cejudo, yeah, on paper, good win. But he was out of the cage for four years. Like, there's a there's a lot going on with Sterling. It was still a split. It was still a split. You know, split decision. It wasn't. Was that one a split as well? You know, the Cejudo one. Yeah. Well, there you yeah. go. And this is a guy that's been out of the cage for four years and stuff. So, I can understand why fans haven't given Aljamain Sterling the flowers that he may think he deserves. Um, but equally, then you've got Sean O'Malley, who you look at his resume, and other than the Piotr Yarn fight, which. I think I think he did win. A lot of people were saying he didn't win that, but again, I rewatched that. That, that, for that was tight. That that was tight. But I think again, it, for me, from what I remember now, O'Malley clearly wins round one. I gave Yarn round two, and I think I gave O'Malley round three. Which again, round three might have been the 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 fight that was quite a um uh, 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 the uh, the round that was a tight round. But um, when you look at O'Malley's record, other than the, the Yarn win, which again, some people find controversial, I think it's a legitimate win. Uh, but other than that, he's not really got any notable wins. But he does no have... No contest against Munoz. No like, contest against Munoz. In a fight that Munoz, I think, was winning. So that's, yeah. a no, so that's yeah. one of the biggest names he's fought other than Yarn, And that was a no contest in a fight he was losing. And then Cheeto yeah, Vera, who beat him. name on that. He's, he's Cheeto. Cheeto yeah. beat him. You can say what you want about, yeah, it, it hit maybe a nerve or, you know, damaged the leg, whatever. Sure. But Cheeto won that fight. He caused the mm. damage that, that made him, you know, win that fight. So you've got a guy... Mark, you know, Cheeto Vera has gone on to fight far better opponents than what um, uh, Sugar has. 100%. And, um, yeah, O'Malley seems to have been... 
carried through to this title opportunity by his popularity with the fans. And if you look at even, I think we said this before the omalley Piotr Jan fight, there were fights in there outside of Jan, even though we thought a lot of Jan and Jan's a very good fighter, even though things haven't gone well for him recently. There were fights in there with people that were lower down the rankings than Jan that would have been tougher for O'Malley. Some very good wrestlers or like a Corey Sandhagen that can match him for kind of height and length and striking acumen and all that kind of stuff. That would have been, I think, tougher fights for O'Malley. So, yeah, you've got one guy that's struggling to prove that he is as good as everyone says he is. And then the other guy who, because of his popularity with the fans has been given this opportunity that maybe arguably didn't deserve. So it's a really interesting one. Let's talk about that popularity. Like, what, where do you think this comes from? Because the, the Eddie Wineland knockout was, was was spectacular. You know, there was a couple of like nice walk off like KOs early on in his yep. career. The shit hair and like and you know shocking outfits. Like, I guess draws attention to him. I think a younger um, audience is really into it. I think the kind of flashy uh, hair, yeah, yeah. the you know, the wearing the Michael Jackson jacket with no shirt underneath, whatever. Look you better on Mirab. Look way, way better, better on Mirab. Mirab. I loved Mirab <laughs> still in his jacket. That was so good. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, you've he's he's clearly got. I mean, I and I quite like O'Malley. I mean, I think he said some things maybe on podcasts and stuff that people haven't liked, and and I don't know enough about that. There was something where I think his coach was talking about a female fighter and talking about her looks rather than her um, abilities in the cage. And it was all, was it Megan Anderson, the former featherweight fighter, um, right. Australian? Yeah. And so there's been some things said, but I think that was more his coach than him from what I remember. So yeah, there's been some stuff where I'm not a big fan that I'm not a big fan of, but when it comes to the, the, the flashy looks along with the really great style, it's the fight style that does it for me. He's throwing flashy kicks. He puts on good performances. He talks a little bit as well. Uh, I think that's a guy that I can get behind. And I think that's a guy that the UFC can acknowledge is someone that could be a very, very big star for them going forward. Um, 100%. So, you know, from a business point of view, it makes sense that he's got this this title shot. Um, So with that fight style in mind, right, which is essentially striking. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit how, how we think this fight's going to go because I'm going to jump in first here and I'm going to say O'Malley's he's, he's range here. Oh, you know, but I, I don't think I've not actually looked at the reach differences and stuff. Um, I don't imagine they're too dissimilar, um, but I think that the the smart Aljo is is surely going to wrestle him. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, like, you know, to, to, to stand there and, and, and have a dick-swinging competition trying to strike with O'Malley's, I, you know, I don't think a particularly smart move. And I'm sure um, Aljo's coaches know what his strengths are. And he's wrestling. He's obviously great. And, and, and he's BJJ solid. So I think, I think we're going to see him obviously just try and avoid standing and striking with O'Malley, take him down, and I think he'll probably finish him. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think... If you again rewatching the Yarn O'Malley fight, Yarn was able to take him down relatively easily at points in that fight and control him for a long time as well. You could argue O'Malley wasn't expecting that from Yarn as as much as he got, but I, I think Sterling is a way better grappler and uh, wrestler than Yarn. So I think if Jan was able to do it's- that to O'Malley, I think Sterling will definitely be able to do that to O'Malley. I think the smart pick is to go for for Sterling. I think Sterling, just a better wrestler, will be able to implement that. And if he gets O'Malley down, we've not seen O'Malley have to use his kind of defensive jiu-jitsu enough. There's a clip going around socials at the moment of him against, is it Nakatori Gomez or someone like that? Uh in a, a, a grappling competition, like a Polaris type grappling competition. And he got in with a guillotine, like great fair play. This is different, man. This is MMA. It's, uh, Aljamain Sterling with his, with his, he's a good MMA wrestler. He's a good wrestler overall. He's, he's a, great with his jujitsu. Ta- if he takes your back, you're in big, big, big trouble. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, that's how I see the fight going. I see Aljo really implementing a wrestling-heavy game plan and O'Malley struggling with it. However, particularly in that first round, um, O'Malley is a bit of a sniper. And I tell you what, you, again, re-watching the, the Sterling yarn fight, Sterling has moments in his career where someone's clipped him once or twice. And defensively, he turns into, I mean, look, this sounds rude of me to say, but it looks like it turns into a bit of a novice striker because he's dipping his head ridiculously low. He's sort of flailing his arms out there. He's turning his back a little bit. Sterling doesn't deal well with people landing a couple of strikes on him, I don't think. And I I think if O'Malley's power is what we believe it, to be and what we've seen from the likes of the Eddie Wineland fight and stuff like that. If O'Malley clips him early, Sterling might start shooting from way out and really telegraphing those shots and getting into a bit of a panic mode. And that could really lead to O'Malley landing an uppercut or a knee that just takes Sterling out. So there's definitely a world in which O'Malley wins this fight because I think he's landed something early and Sterling's gone, into pa- Sterling's gone into panic mode, doesn't defend the strikes well enough. But I think, it, you know, it, if I had to uh, gun to my head, if I've got to pick someone, I, I, I'm going for Sterling and I'm going to say it's going to be a wrestling-heavy performance where as the rounds go on, it gets more comfortable for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, there could potentially be a lot of booze in that auditorium that night. There's, there's yeah. Think. If there's a big, if it's a big O'Malley crowd there, and mm. Sterling's taking him down and not getting a huge amount of damage off, but controlling the position a lot, yeah, we could get a lot of booze uh, on that one. I think, um, mm. particularly because, and we'll get onto it in a minute. The co-main event may also go slightly similar. Um, so I think that, that if, if the crowds add, you know, towards 50 minutes of, of that, there's going to be definitely going to be a lot of booze ringing out and around the place. Um, before we, we move on to anything else, it looks like win or lose, Aljamain Sterling is probably moving up in weight. Hmm. How do you think that plays out for him up at featherweight? Well, what I think it, the most important thing it does is, you know, if he if he moves up, um, then a, I mean, does he is he going to vacate the belt or go for two weights? Well, I don't know what he's going to do in in so far as that. But it if it does mean that he vacates that belt and it and it gives an option for Mirab to fight for the belt, that, that you know, I mean. If O'Malley puts on a good performance in this fight, or even if O'Malley wins this fight, the the, the media is going to jump all over Mirab in his jacket, and it's it's a fight that's going to get made. I think um, I might have a counter argument it, to that coming up. Oh, okay. But re- well, remember, remember right. that I might have. A, I, I agree with you, and I think that's a high possibility. However. There's some outcomes that that could take place on this night that that pushes Mirab a bit back down the uh, the pecking order. But let, but anyway, Sterling at featherweight. What are you thinking? Do you think he troubles Volk? No, no, no chance, no chance. Um, I mean that is a that's a naughty division to start fucking around in. Yeah, and like and and, and I think I'd. I'll be very cautious um, because, you know, you look at fighters like Volk and, and you know, Harry, <clears throat> Harry, you know, held his own or, or Harry coped with, you know, the wrestling and that of, of, of Makachev. Yeah. Like, he weren't troubled by that. No. And I think um, um, someone like Aljo, I think, you know, if he wrestles him, Volk's not going to be phased by that and then Volk will be back on his feet and I've got a feeling that, you know, he'd quite comfortably... Um, completely outstrike and um, and caught. I think he'd just be too much the way that Volk's fight style doesn't lend itself to to Aljo and if he went up would he would he get a shot straight away yeah if Possibly. he if he wins if he wins I think he does I think the next fight for Volk is uh, probably going to be Tapuria but if yeah. Aljo wins I think whether he vacates he's got more of a chance of going straight for the belt if he keeps hold of the belt but I think the plan has been to vacate to allow Mirab to fight for it but we'll we'll see but um if he can keep hold of the belt for a bit 
and go up. I, I think it's very possible that he fights Volk in his next fight. But again, we know Volk wants the Makachev fight. Everyone wants to move up, become a double champ. So uh, we'll see. What, why do you think Aljo's not a fan favourite? Because he's, you know, it, he's not desperate to be. I mean, when you watch DC in his fights and he would just, he just wanted to be like so bad, it was embarrassing. And like, I did like and, DC. And, I'm not oh, I like DC. Absolute, absolute helmet. And like, and, and, but he, he, it was like, he didn't do anything wrong, DC, but people, he just didn't have star quality that, that the fans got excited about and it bothered his ego. And he just tried to, so many times he endeared himself and he couldn't do it. I'm just digging out DC now. But, um, I think with DC, Aljo- it was more his fight style in some fights, like, the way he just laid on Anderson Silva when Anderson Silva mm. came in at short notice and, and all that kind of stuff. I think um, I think that also everyone seemed to love John Jones and DC was just highlighting the fact that John Jones is not a nice human being. And mm. a lot of fans didn't like that because they just loved John Jones because his in-cage performances were so good. Um yeah, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why I did like DC, because I wasn't a massive Jones fan, and he was calling Jones out for for stuff. I mean, when you look at... But Aljo doesn't do this. Al, you know, Aljo just he, he turns up, nine-fight win streak, like, you know, puts on, you know, solid enough performances. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And and as you know, they're not great like though. Gonna, like they're not. No, they're, they're not. They're not so, great. But so if, we, know, if we look at Aljo's about... run, if you look at Aljo's run, I can't remember the decision win over Munoz, but I, I bet that wasn't overly exciting. The Sandhagen win was phenomenal. To beat Corey Sandhagen in the fashion that he did was absolutely fantastic. To get was him that, in the that, first round, take his back. Was that a choke? It choked him out. Yeah, it, that was yeah. phenomenal. But, but really well done there. Then he fights for the belt. He got pieced up in that fight. He came out really fast in the first round, won the first round, then completely gassed out. And Jan was playing with him. Jan was tripping him up and playing with him and just piecing him up. And Sterling had nothing. Then Jan does probably the dumbest thing to ever happen in a mixed martial arts fight. It's probably one of the dumbest things to ever happen in combat sports, particularly looking back on how Peter Jan's career has gone since that illegal knee and the losses he's had recently and all that stuff. And the fact that he's never reclaimed like a full, I know he was an interim champ, but he's never reclaimed a full title. It's got to be one of the dumbest things to ever happen inside the cage, throwing that illegal knee in such a big fight in a fight that he was so comfortably winning, so comfortably winning. And then uh, Aljo fights Jan again, as we mentioned. It was a close, close fight. And I'll tell you what, the two rounds that Sterling won were pretty boring. Like, he just body triangle and had the back and was looking for the choke a bit, but it wasn't, like, the most exciting rounds in the world that he won there. 
Again, Dillashaw, not his fault, but that that win doesn't have a huge amount of legitimacy to it in my eyes. So Hudo, yep, good win. I, 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 there's so much content I can't remember fights unless I've watched them really recently. Was the Cejudo fight particularly exciting? No, not at all. I, I can't really remember it. I, I can't really remember if it was that exciting. But uh, if you can't remember it, was a split it dec- being exciting, True. it wasn't exciting. Yeah, and and so. Split decision over Henry Cejudo, who was out of the cage for four years. <laughs> yeah, it's the, I can see why people are a bit like, oh, I don't consider him a real champ. Oh, he's not that great. Like, I, it feels harsh to say that, and I I wouldn't say it, but I can understand why other people would say it. And there's definitely, yeah. if you look at his resume closely, there's definitely things where you can go, oh, well, it's not. It's not, if you just look at the names, it looks phenomenal. If you just say Munoz, Sanhagen, Yarn, Yarn, Dillashaw, Cejudo, that's someone that could be one of the greatest bantamweight champs of all time. He could surpass Dominic Cruz. But when you really dig deep into how those fights were won, it doesn't hold as much weight. And that's, that's just the truth of the matter. That's just it. So, and also, he, he didn't do himself any favours when he won the belt via the illegal knee, to then be posing around with it and kind of playing the villain a little bit. Because had he gone the route of like a Justin Gaethje, who when he won an interim title, just threw it to the floor and was like, not interested in that, I want the real belt. That would have, I think, ingratiated him more to the fan base. But he didn't do that. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. So you think, you know, I think we both agree that this has got potential to be a, a bit of a, a dull fight for a casual if it does mean that he's just Aljo. Yeah. It's, so the, the opening you, you, exchange is going to be, I mean, what I would say is for someone that is more of a hardcore fan, I think this is a fantastic fight. And I think the the strategies and who can implement their tactics and stuff like that those things are going to be really, really fascinating to watch. How does Sterling, I mean, Sterling's quite rangy anyway, really, but how does Sterling get in on O'Malley and get that takedown? How does O'Malley stop that from happening, but still land those power strikes that could really rattle Sterling? I think that's going to be fascinating. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. But if Sterling gets his way very early, I think we could be seeing a situation where if O'Malley's defensive jiu-jitsu is okay, then we might be seeing a situation where it's just, you know, body triangle for five minutes, break body triangle for five minutes. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. If O'Malley's defensive jiu-jitsu is not up to scratch, then we're going to see an early submission from, from Sterling probably. Yeah. So you were saying that, you know, this has potential to, to, to kind of disappoint the fans, because it might have come off something similar in the in the co-main. So let, let's let's talk about Amanda Lemos versus uh, Zhang. So how how are you seeing this going then? Well, uh, I mean, again, it, uh, this to me all depends on Zhang's game plan. I mean, look, Lemos has a chance to win because she hits hard. She, you know, for someone down at strawweight to get knockout victories that shows you that she's a she's a heavy hitter because you don't get a huge amount of knockout victories down at strawweight and uh and she's got a few of them she's got TKOs and KO finishes uh I think Marina Rodriguez in her last fight who's also a phenomenal striker and there might have been someone before that that she Karate hottie. yeah so she gets finishes in her fights uh Lemos um so I think Zhang's best option here would be to take this to the ground. And Zhang's wrestling has massively improved ever since that second Rose fight where she was training with Henry Cejudo and stuff like that. I think her wrestling and her grappling has massively improved. And I think Zhang's best option will be to get this fight to the ground and to take it into deep waters. Lemos has never seen the championship rounds. Um, If Zhang's like playing a defensively sound game getting those takedowns and prioritizing position over submission. And this drags out and she wears on Lamos a bit. Lamos could get very, very, very tired very quickly. And, um, you know, Lamos has only been to a decision twice in her nine UFC fights. She's either finished or she does the finishing. 
She, she's not someone that goes to decision very often. And I think considering she barely goes to a decision in three round fights, Zhang's best thing is to let's take this in deep waters. Let's be really reserved. Let's be safe. Let's not make any silly mistakes. Let's drag this out and try and wear on her more in the later rounds. It does make her maybe more susceptible to that odd power strike, which um, Lamos can do. But I don't think Lamos has got anything Zhang hasn't seen before, other than maybe a, mm. a bit more power. Like I think she's been in there with Joanna. She's been in there with Rose twice as well. They're much more technical strikers. Um and so I, I think she should be able to deal with Lamos, even though she's got a bit more power than those people. Um, and Zhang, yeah, I mean, Zhang's only lost, she lost her pro debut and then she lost to Rose twice. She's not losing I mean, to Muggs, the, the, is she? She, she? You know, No, not at all. Like, wins over uh, Torres and Raj, like, first round. Yeah. Um, and obviously... Um, Joanna, uh, I mean, I, I, I think the first fight was 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 tight, but this yeah. obviously when Joanna come back for the second one, yes, was it spinning back fist knockout domination, that, yeah. unbelievable, and obviously, um, I mean, when you rear naked choking Carla Esparza, when you think when it's in that place, that's that's Carla's place of, of yeah. comfort, and uh, and she's losing. It, it shows that. That Shane's so well rounded, and yeah. I, I thought that that, that Rose Nami Eunice, the second fight, I thought that could have easily gone either way. Yeah, it uh, definitely uh, could. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, I think uh, she's just way too ra- uh, well rounded, and, and 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 I see this being a possibly a submission. Um, really, yeah. In, uh, in 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 maybe sort of the the, the sort of mid to late rounds. I, I I can see Zhang getting a finish in like round four. I can see it like because I, again, I just think that Le- Lemos doesn't have. Uh, she's not proven to have the uh, the the gas tank and the um. The, she just doesn't have the experience of those those championship rounds. It's probably wrong of me to say the gas tank. She's probably training, and I'm sure she is training for those five rounds. But she's not had to do it before in a big fight situation against someone the caliber of Zhang Weili. And so I just think it, it makes sense for the, the smart pick here to be Zhang Weili. Absolutely. Um, okay. Before we move on to the uh, the featured bout of Vera versus Munoz, yes. should we chat very briefly about Gamcare? Uh, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, so we've we've kind of bucked what, what a lot of people do in uh, sports uh, content, and uh, and that's sort of align ourselves with a, a, a gambling company. We see so many of them, um, you know, associated with, with with lots of stuff in in mixed martial arts as well as obviously many other sports. And because it's something that that Blake and I aren't comfortable with, um, we decided to sort of reach out and sort of do an, an alternative and and we should stress you know this isn't for any kind of there's no money involved in this this is this is just something that we've we've done because we we, we believe in 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 this this, this company and with well, this charity and, and what they do it's it's absolutely fantastic and it's called gamcare and do you want to sort of explain a little bit about what they do blake yes so gamcare are a charity that specialize in helping people with gambling addictions they also help friends and family members of people with with gambling addictions uh, as well and they have a 24-7 helpline that you can call day or night 24-7 um, if you feel like you're someone that maybe could talk about an issue you might have with gambling if it's affecting your relationships with family members if you're in debt if you're thinking about your paycheck coming in so that you can have a bet or you're thinking about you know you need to go to payday loans because you've just spent your paycheck uh, on gambling sites and now you're looking at payday loans so you can cover the bills, anything like that. That is signs of you potentially having, you know, a, a gambling addiction, a gambling problem. And uh, the idea of, of uh, you know, people with gambling problems being these, you know, 50, 60-year-old men down at the races or whatever, that's, that's, that's not the truth of it anymore. A lot of people with gambling issues are a lot of the uh, uh, demographic that would listen to this podcast and be fans of MMA. It's, you know, people in their kind of uh, mid-20s, stuff like that, early mid-20s. They've got a lot of gambling issues now. They're, they're using the apps. And uh, even women as well on, on um, like, 
the bingo sites and all those kinds of things that, you know, any of those kinds of modern gambling things. Now, it's really changed what the kind of modern day gambling addict addict is. It is a lot of the time younger people on the apps and uh, Gamcare can offer you uh, free, completely free counseling sessions. Um, As I mentioned, there's the 24 seven helpline as well. And if you're not comfortable with that, they have um, one of those instant messaging kind of chat box things. You can go on the website, talk to someone on an instant messaging uh, chat thing and uh, and hopefully get some help there and some advice there on how to best uh, combat this, uh, this addiction because it can be a hugely negative thing. It can be really detrimental to your life, both financially, emotionally, your mental health, stress. All of those things can be deeply negatively impacted by gambling. So uh, if you think you might be someone with an issue or if you are the family member or a friend of someone that's got an issue and it, it could be affecting you, you could be stressed out thinking God, my, my partner or brother or sister or, or parent or child is, uh, is getting themselves into all this financial woe because they're uh, in too deep into gambling. You can go to this place as well, get yourself some help and maybe get some advice that hopefully you could use to uh, to help that person in your life that's struggling. Um, the phone number, if you want to phone them, is... Go on, Stuart, do you want to... 0808. It's 0808 And the website is gamcare.org.uk. And once again, the number 0808 8020 Right. Let's crack on with uh, Chito Vera versus Pedro Munoz. Now, you were mentioning earlier about Mirab. I think there's... Just quickly... Go on. How I'm seeing the card, that's not the next fight. Okay. Well, let's move on to this one anyway. Okay. Let's let's move on to this one. Um, What's at stake for Chito Vera here? I think there could be a lot at stake for him. If Chito Vera knocks out Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley beats Al Jermaine Sterling, I think there's a very big possibility that Chito leaps over Marab and fights for the belt next. I'm not saying that's what necessarily should happen. I'm not saying that's what should happen, but think about it from a UFC perspective. Chito gets a knockout on the same card that O'Malley's on. Imagine Cheeto in the post-fight interview talking about his win over O'Malley. Then he goes and sits cage-side for the O'Malley fight. And then maybe something happens backstage between the two of them. He goes looking for O'Malley just so that he can kick something up. Someone's recording it on their phone. Fans will clamor for it because people love Cheeto as well. Like, and in terms of fight style, as much as Mirab is fantastic, his fight style is not as exciting as Cheeto Vera's fight style. So 100%. I think there is, and, and again, if you're Sean O'Malley, who do you want to fight in your first title defense if you win this fight? Do you want to fight Cheeto? The guy that's beating you. <laughs> you. Well, not just the guy that's beating you, but stylistically, do you want to fight a striker that's got terrible wrestling? Or mm. do you want to fight the cardio wrestling machine that absolutely like 50-45 Piotr Jan? You don't want to fight Marab. I don't think. I don't think you want to fight that guy. You want to fight Cheeto Vera, not just to get it back, but also because it's a much better stylistic matchup for you. So I think there's a world in which Cheeto Vera here has got a lot to fight for. And if he can get a knockout victory here, wins in style, I I think he could definitely be looking at a title fight, especially if O'Malley beats uh, Sterling. Do you think that that factored into his mindset? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When he took this fight, because if he loses, I mean, that's not good. I mean, he's he's ranked. I'm, I'm sure he's ranked quite a lot higher than, than Pedro Munoz. And well, it was supposed to be Sahuda. Oh, of course it was. It was supposed it was. to be Henry Sahuda, right. which again, of, of course, of course, would have been course. a much uh, bigger name for him, and would have maybe catapulted him even more into the title picture had he won that one. But I would say Munoz is a better stylistic matchup for him than Cejudo, I think. Oh, 100%. Because uh, we've yeah. seen Cheeto just really struggle with the wrestling. We saw it against Sandhagen. Sandhagen became a wrestler, kind of mullered him a bit. Uh, Frankie Edgar, you know, caused Cheeto a lot of problems. Um, uh, was it up until he got knocked out, maybe? Did Frankie Edgar get knocked out by Cheeto? Was that a front kick? Uh, Frankie Edgar. Frank Hager got, seems to get knocked out by everybody at the moment, doesn't oh, he? God, yeah. Bless him. Um, I think it was, um, but I think in the first round, I think Cheeto really struggled with the wrestling of Frankie Edgar. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I just, I think that there's a lot on the line for uh, for Cheeto here. And if he wins it, I think things could, could go very, very well for him and it could upset Marab uh, a lot. Do you, do you not think that Sandhagen uh, gets the next shot? Well, Dana White walked out of his last fight. Uh, do you know what, right? It, it, like, I'm a huge of... Sandhagen fan, but if Dana White walks out in the fourth round of your fight with Rob Font, torn tricep or not, I mean, I, I, I feel for Sandhagen. I'm a huge Sandhagen fan. We've had him on the show. Um, but if Dana White walks out of your fight before the decision, like halfway through round four or whatever it was meant to be, that doesn't bode well for you in terms of getting a title shot. I, I, I don't think that bodes well for you at all. I, I think Sandhagen deserves it. I think Sandhagen Marab should be a, maybe a, if Sterling wins and vacates Marab Sandhagen should be the vacant title shot. In my opinion. Um, I, I totally agree with that. But I, I just, I just see a world in which Dana goes, no, fuck Sandhagen. He did a really boring fight last time. Don't, don't want him to fight for a belt. I think that's very possible for the UFC to do that. Um, that's shitty, man. It's like, you know, it, it, if that does roll that way, that is shitty because, you know, Cheeto's a fan favourite and, he, and he, he does bring fireworks. And, and I know that makes for a much more exciting... Like, Cheeto rematching Sugar. I mean, Sugar's not going to win this, Saturday, but if he did, like, that would be, you know, a really fun fight to... To, to watch, but Sandagen, Sugar, all over that. Like, yeah. I, I think, and and yeah, I, I, fighters have boring fights, and uh, uh, but the thing is, you ain't gonna stand and box Rob Font. Why would you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, but also he said he tore his tricep in round one. Yeah, like, absolutely. And again, like, what rather than walking out in the fourth round, what? Dana could have done afterwards is talk about, look, I know that wasn't the most fun for the fans, but God, I mean, this guy that flying need Frankie Edgar and mm. uh, spinning heel kicked uh, Marlon Morais, this guy is now a legit wrestler as well. And with a torn tricep, he was able to hold down Rob Font and just sort of have his way with him at ease. This guy's a real problem for anyone in the division. And when he fixes his tricep and if he's uh, in a situation where he can strike someone, he's going to put on amazing performances again. You could do that, but yeah, that's not how the UFC stuff works a lot of the time. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of Munoz, I, 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 he's not known for his wrestling. He's a decent grappler, but he's not known for his takedowns and his wrestling against Cheeto. I think that should be the game plan. Like, what, what, why risk those power shots that Cheeto lands? Uh, which, again, when you look at the Cheeto Rob Font Rob Font fight, Rob Font was dominating when it came to like strikes landed. It's just that Cheeto hit him with such power that he won the rounds by the damage. Um, and why play that game if you're Munoz? Try and get those takedowns. Try and wrestle. Um, but we'll see see what happens there. 
it could be it could be a really interesting fight. This, yeah, I, I think actually there's a lot of interesting fights on this card, but there's also a lot of possibility of there being a lot of lay and pray. Like mm. again, if you're Munoz's coach, you're saying lay and pray. If you're Zhang's coach, you might be saying lay and pray. If you're Aljamain Sterling's coach, you might be saying lay and pray. Like the the path to victory and a lot of the easiest path to victory for a lot of fighters on this card is utilize the wrestling and position over submission because the fighters they're fighting against have showcased an inability to do well off their backs and stuff like that, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think I hope that it's going to be really fun and really interesting and we're going to see some really great fights. I mean, if Munoz stands and strikes with Vera, that's going to be a cracking fight. If O'Malley's able to get back to his feet a lot against Sterling, that could be super interesting. Lamos and Zhang, if Zhang decides to strike with Lamos, wow, we could have a really cracking fight there. We could get a knockout win there for either of them. Um, so, yeah, could be great, but equally, we just, we don't know. There is possibility that it's not great. Um, f- well, let's, go let's on. move, go on. I was going to move to 170 now, because yep. this is the card that I'm seeing um, placed above Cheeto. And, uh, and I'm sure it... Potentially wasn't when uh, two-time former guest of the show, Ian Gary, was fighting Jeff Neal. Um, Jeff Neal was pulled from the fight. Uh, and high on, on Ian Gary's wish list was always Neil Magny, the gatekeeper. And and he's he's agreed. He's here. He's fighting Neil Magny. Um, this is... I think this is the fight that we're going to see Ian Gary show his skill set. I think we know that he's got insane speed, precision, you know, he obviously doesn't lack charisma. But I know when um, we saw him win the Cage Warriors strap against Jack Grant, and, and, and Jack Grant's very, very good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Ian Gary completely comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and if anything, I mean, it was an empty York Hall. We could hear him. He was just talking to him. Yeah. He was not phased by it. So I think we're going to see Ian Gary, you know, I, I think Neil Magny will, will, will try and tie him up quite a few times in this fight. And I think we're going to get to see, I don't know how much Ian Gary we've in the UFC, how much we've seen of Ian Gary on his back. I don't think any. No. So it's going to be interesting because I think that could happen in this fight. And, and I think we're going to see how well-rounded Ian Gary is because he's wrestling, you know, uh, I know there's levels to, to to mixed martial arts, and and I'm taking nothing away from Jack Grant, but uh, the, the the Ian Gary we saw there was solid. But as we've then seen, you know, if you follow Ian on his socials, you know he's he's training in gyms all over the world. He's going and getting every bit of experience. He's wrestling with with the likes of you know Gilbert Burns daily, and 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 so I think we're going to see a really interesting side of, of Ian Gary in this fight. This, this could be huge for him. I think if he beats the gatekeeper, gets himself in that top 10, then uh, I, I think we're going to see him on an absolute tear after that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because on one side, on Ian's side, you've got the fact that he was uh, training for, you know, a good boxer with really heavy hands. And now with 10 days notice or whatever it is, He's training for a very long and right. I think Jeff Neal's a southpaw as well, and Neil Magny's orthodox. There's the change there. Also, Neil Magny's very tall, long, rangy, very different type of striker. He's not got the heavy hands, but he has got volume, cardio for days. And as you said, implements the grappling, particularly up against the fence. I think of Neil Magny as the guy that likes to like grind you up against the fence and try and take you down. But he's quite comfortable just keeping you up against the fence. Couple of knees here, maybe an elbow, back to grappling you down to the wearing on you a lot. And it's a very, very, very different style to have to prepare for in a short time span of just 10 days. But equally, Neil Magny's coming to this fight on 10 days and he's taking on an incredibly good striker who, I mean, I imagine Neil Magny with the cardio that he has can go three rounds at the drop of a hat. So, but it's still, he's, he's not had a fight camp. So I don't know if, you know, you always got to say the guy who's had the fight camp is in a better position. Um, Neil Magny without the fight camp, 
I don't know how how well is he going to do. I'm not sure, but I certainly think that this, even though Neil Magny's only coming in on like ten days' notice, this is Ian's biggest fight to date, and I think it will. I almost want to see him in a little bit of trouble. I want to see him win, but I think if he just gets a knockout of Magny because Magny's not quite with it within like the first two minutes. I don't know that's going to tell me a huge amount about Ian's growth, but I, I don't doubt Ian's growth because, as you say, he's got this nomadic lifestyle now where he's going to Brazil over at Shooter Box, then he's coming back to, to Florida and Killcliff and all that stuff. I think he's trained at Renegade a little bit over the last year or so as well in, in Birmingham with, with Leon and that. So this is a man that is going, as you say, all over the world, getting skills from everyone. I believe his evolution is going to become apparent and uh, we're all going to see how how good he's got but I almost want to actually see it and I'd like to see Magny have his way with him for a couple of minutes you know get him down or uh, or at least up against the fence and show Ian's takedown defense and show Ian being able to kind of ride those moments out and then get it back to the feet and get to the striking that Ian does so well that distance management that he does so well just to just as I say just to prove to everyone this guy really is special, and he, and he can he can he's an all rounder now. He's not just a good striker. You're going to have to see an A game on distance management against Neil Magny, like because there, there is there's serious range there, and and I, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. Like I, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Blake. I think you know I, I'd like to see him. Was it his third fight in the UFC? And Gary was quite a boring fight. And it was his second or third fight, and it wasn't a particularly interesting fight. And uh, and and obviously since then he's had some 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 much more um, comprehensive wins. And I think this is obviously the first. I mean, I think that both of them have got wins over. His last fight was Rodriguez, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, and I think Magny's got a win over Rodriguez as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I think this this, this is a really I mean, I do feel sorry for Neil Magny because everybody just references him as a gatekeeper. And that's a shit place to be, man. Like, all you're doing is you're sitting on the, the, the cusp of the top 10 just having to fight absolute prospects. And, like, it's a lose. It, you know, it's, it, you beat someone that's, like, ranked 14th, 15th, and you're ranked 10th. It doesn't do you any favours. No. And, like, until you then get the guy that's ranked 12th. And he's still done... He, he's just... It's a shit place to be, and because you've just got killer after killer. But he did just are, fight are Gilbert to... Burns, who was like third or something, true, and he got true, he got smashed true, pretty true, quick. True. So this yeah. is, that is, yeah. I think we know like we know what the ceiling is for Neil Magny. He's never going to fight for a belt unless some crazy stuff happens. But he's a really solid fighter, a really solid mm. fighter that's going to be in and around that kind of like top. I don't know. 8 to 13, 14 range, probably for till the end of his career because he is good and he's tricky to deal with. But I think he, he came into the UFC in about 2011. I think that he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, really, yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's a fair few years in the yeah. organisation, isn't it? Yeah, I hope. I mean, we hear a lot about fighter pay and, and all that kind of stuff. I hope he's someone that's on a half-decent wage and he's just fought for a long, long time and he sets himself up in a really nice way fingers crossed you know he's not going to be you know the, the huge star the pay-per-view draw and the uh the big money guy but hopefully he's got something comfortable after so many years of service and being what is it the the most wins in the welterweight division as well now as he surpassed gsp most wins in the welterweight division i think um right so uh so yeah good and it would be again a great name E. Gary to have on his resume if he gets the win. Um, shall we move on to Chris Weidman Tavares? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not loads more on this card that I think's massively uh, exciting, and 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 I don't think Chris Weidman is particularly an exciting fighter to watch. I mean, you, you're looking at his record now. Um, Last fight was a loss to, to Uriah Hall. Um, unanimous decision over um, Akhmadov. And then before that, losses to Reyes, um, Salza. Win over Gaslam, lost to Masasi, to Romero, to Rockhold. It's just... 
I don't get excited watching Chris Weidman fight. Yes, you know, the the silver thing will be on everybody's, you know, greatest knockouts or you know, upsets in, in UFC history. And then obviously the rematch was even more insane and, and horrific. Um, but, he, he, you know, he seems like a lovely fella. Um, and apart from that, I don't get excited watching Chris Weidman fight. Well, I... You've stolen a little bit of what I was going to talk about there, but I have to say, I do feel like that's a bit harsh because of the injury to Uriah Hall. I think it's so nice to see him back. When you think about how that, that checked kick and how mashed up his leg was, the break, it was horrific. Um, He's so mad, isn't it? That, that, like that, it's so weird, isn't it? Two of the worst like, leg. How breaks. many times do you yeah, see that yeah. ever in UFC? It's so rare, and the fact that he's involved in both of them, yeah, like it's absolutely crazy. It is crazy, and it was such a terrible injury, the one against uh, Uriah Hall. So, I wanted to come on here and be like, I'm so glad he's back. I'm really excited to see Weidman back. I'm really glad that you're not. Re- you're not really excited to see Chris Weidman back. I don't well, believe me, the, you. No, you're no, not that's, excited. That's what I'm saying. I wanted to come on to say. I wanted to yeah. come on to say because I am very happy that he's back for him. I'm happy for him that he's got over the injury oh, of course. and he's back. Of course. And I wish him all the best because that's such a nasty injury. And he does seem like a really nice bloke. He's a former champion. I want to see Weidman do well. I really want to see him do well. However, as you've just pointed out, when you look back at the career leading up to the injury, he hasn't really looked that great since 2015 when he lost no. the belt to Rockhold. Um, I mean, he's like, you're going through, as you say, his resume suffered uh, his first loss that night against Rockhold. He was undefeated, lost uh, to Rockhold and lost the belt. And then went on a three fight losing streak, including the Rockhold one. Then he lost to Romero and he lost to Musasi. Gets one win against Kelvin Gastelum, but then loses to Jacare, loses to Dominic Reyes up at light heavyweight, wins against Akhmedov, but then breaks his leg against Hall. It's not amazing reading. And the other thing when you delve deep into it is that a lot of his losses were KO and TKO losses. And that makes you wonder about his chin, the age. He tried to move up to like heavyweight. Was it the the weight cut doing something to him? And that just worries me for him. It really does worry me for him. Um, so I don't know what kind of wide man we're going to get back. Maybe, given all the knockouts he had, having the time off will suit him. Maybe his chin's recovered a little bit. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I'm I'm pleased for him and I'm pleased that he's back and the leg is hopefully okay. But I am worried about Chris Weidman stepping in the cage. I don't know how old he is now. I'm guessing like 38 or something like that. And um, yeah, and it, it not looking good for him because it wasn't looking good for him ever since he lost the belt to Rockhold. Um, he's 39. 39. Hey, you're not looking up Tavares, are you? Because I've got a little question for you. I'm not. No, no, don't look him up. Okay. So, how many fights do you think Tavares has had in the UFC? And Chris Weidman has had 17 UFC fights. I remember him fighting... Tom Kong Watson. Well, okay, so, so that's a this is what a long time ago. <laughs> this is a long time yes. ago. I don't think I had grey hair then. Um, oh blimey! Twenty. I don't know. Twenty ten. What? I said, how many fights well, how has he had? <laughs> oh, oh, he's right. had uh, two thousand and ten fights. <laughs> but basically you are sort of on the right track because I still think of Tavares sometimes as like a guy that's only been around for like six years or something like that. Tavares, so Weidman's had 17 UFC fights. Brad Tavares has had 22 UFC fights. He started in Too the bad. UFC in 2011. And not only that, but the second fight he had in the UFC was one of those ones that was named 
you remember when they used to name them like Bad Blood, UFC Invincibles or whatever it is. This one was UFC <laughs> Resolution. That's how old Tavares is in fighting. Do you think years. they changed that? Do you think they changed all that because they just run out of words? <laughs> possibly. Very possibly. <laughs> the thesaurus can only go so far. Um, UFC proper tear up. <laughs> like they must have just run out and were just going, no, we can't go with proper tear up. But like, what can we go oh, for? They missed no, the we're trick out of on like powerful UFC, words. let them bang, bro. That's what they should have done. <laughs> oh, I'll be all over that one. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, UFC. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Conceive, oh, believe, dear, achieve. Oh, um, <laughs> right. There's only other. There's a couple of other fights on the card. Petrosky versus Mirshar. I think it's a good fight for Petrosky. Uh, came in through the Ultimate Fighter. Has looked really good, good wrestler, but I mean, we'll see. There's not a huge amount to say about that fight. If Petrosky wins, then you know he's someone that should be uh, not necessarily getting a ranked guy next, but he's putting some wins together. I think he's on like a three or four fight win streak now. Uh, the only fight I think is really worth talking about because I feel like sometimes, as we've seen with card placements and stuff like that. The female fighters don't always get the credit they deserve and the airtime they deserve. And we've got a ranked fighter in flyweight, Andrea Lee, taking on Natalia Silva. Um, And I feel like that has to be mentioned because it's not fair to uh, put these ranked female fighters on prelims of cards and not be giving them any, you know, they're ranked. We should be talking about it. Their fights matter. They are ranked fighters. so, uh, Silva, Natalia Silva is someone that I think people maybe should start looking out for, uh, especially if she wins this fight. She's on a free fight, uh, win streak in the UFC, nine fight win streak overall, got really fun style, taekwondo striking, absolutely dismantled Victoria Leonardo in her last fight in the first round. Leonardo just sort of crumbled with the strikes, kicks to the face, punches. She's really fast, Natalia Silva. She's got really quick taekwondo style. Very, uh, very good to watch. Andrea Lee, on the other hand, on a two-fight losing streak. But she's lost to good fighters. She's lost to Viviana Yeah, Arujo. she's not lost to bums there. And no, Macy Barber. Macy Barber, Arujo, you know, people that potentially one day could be fighting for belts. So nothing wrong with that. Lee goes to a lot of decisions, uh, whether she wins or loses. And that's another thing. She's lost a lot of split decisions. And whenever it comes to split decisions, you go, well, did you really lose? Was it a bad decision or or is it just, it was just a super close fight. So I think Lee's record doesn't actually show how good she is. You ain't wrong on decisions, mate. Yeah, no, she's loads of decisions. decisions. Um, And a lot of splits that went against her, which is, you know, Mm. that's a tough one. Um, so I think she needs to take Silver down. It, 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 Lee, you know, not an amazing grappler and wrestler, I don't think, but good enough. And she will. She probably is looking at a discrepancy in her abilities in the striking to the Taekwondo style of, of Silver, and she should have the better grappling, I would imagine. So the game plan has got to be to take Silver down. But this is a great test for Silva. Uh, if she comes through it, we could be looking at someone who's at least a top 10 fighter. Uh, and it's fun as well, that Taekwondo style. If she can defend takedowns and keep fights on the feet, we'll be watching someone that is a really fun fighter to watch. And we all know that goes a long way. Look at Molly McCann, who we just had an interview with with Molly in person the other week. That's got released. As we're recording, it got released today. Check out our interview with mm. Molly McCann. We were in person at the O2 as a launch of uh, TNT Sports. It's uh, very chatty in the background in the pub, which is annoying, but... Uh, I like it. I like, you like it. it. You think it's atmosphere, yeah? yeah. You like it? Absolutely. All right, well, let's see, see who you agree with. Do you agree with me or do you agree with Stu? Um, but uh, but it was lovely to chat to Molly. She spoke about uh, the loss to Stalyarenko. She spoke about uh, moving down to straw weight and also about her good friend Paddy Pimblett's injury and where he's at now. Um, so, yeah, so we spoke a lot about that. But that is when you're a, 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 an exciting fighter, the UFC will push you. They'll put you high up cards and they'll give you opportunities. Uh, and that could be what we're looking at in Natalia Silva. Um, 
Absolutely. So, While we're talking about upcoming episodes as well uh, and opportunities, uh, an opportunity has been, an amazing opportunity has been thrown in the way of Oban Elliott, um, Cage Warriors fighter, to, to fight on um, the contender season, uh, season, which I think by the time this comes out, it'll be maybe just a, a week or so away. Um, and we caught up with Oban, who's, um, who's been on the, uh, the show before. He's, 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 he's such a great guy to, to chat to. So subscribe to the podcast, and then you won't miss um, upcoming episodes. And, I mean, it's impossible not for us to. I mean, we've been, we've been hyping out for a while yet, but there's been so much kind of content and date-sensitive stuff that we've been getting out. We've not had a, a chance to release it yet. So it's coming soon, and it is one of our uh, one of the best episodes I think we've we've ever recorded, and we got to sit in person with the legend that is Bruce Buffer, yep. and and that's coming soon. Yep. And uh, if you haven't checked out our episode uh, for the Dana White Contender series with George Hardwick yet either, Hardwick's fighting. I believe it's the twenty second of August. Is it maybe mm-hmm. next week, Tuesday? He'll be fighting on the Contender series. He, he's looks like he's out there already. He's out there already. Uh, we're, we're recording this on the 14th, and yeah. he's, he's, uh, I'm seeing on his socials that he's uh, he just started his weight cut. There was pictures of him uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of wrapped up in his towels, having a sweat out, and then it cut to a picture of his, uh, his brother Harry smashing a massive burger and fries in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Hardwick brothers. Um, yeah, absolutely trolling his own brother before the biggest opportunity of his life. It doesn't get better than that. Um, so, yeah, please check out our episode with George Hardwick, which is already out. You go and check that out before George fights. If you don't know George Hardwick, he is the lightweight Cage Warriors champion and is now getting an opportunity to fight in the UFC if he wins on the Dana White Contender Series. Fantastic striker, loves a body shot. Um, and, yeah, and he's, we're big fans of his. We've had him on the show a few times now. Uh, so, yeah, please do check out that episode with George. We'll be releasing Oban's one before his Dana White Contender Series fight. Check that out as well. And as Stu said huge episode of Bruce Buffer coming your way and Molly McCann's already out as well so check that one out absolutely just lastly um, I mean we're seeing these UFC fighters these Cage Warriors fighters getting their their, their, their shot on a contender series somebody that is a Cage Warriors champ that has signed straight to the UFC um, is a guest that we had on two weeks ago and that is Caelan Lockran and that's a great chat to be enjoyed so yes. go and listen to our chat with Caelan over there um I think we're uh, we're done for today, aren't we? We're done. UFC 292 this Saturday. We'll be releasing a post-fight show next week uh, for that once the dust has settled. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe and stuff. Do it. Right. See you soon. Laters. Laters.